0: Hello lovely people, how are you? I hope you're doing okay and getting at least a little bit of time out in these summer months. So, if you're thinking, pondering, wondering... My goodness, this is the episode for you. Now, I first saw Claire Davis and the brilliant work she and her husband James do at the Midlife Mentors on Instagram. Their posts are so full of life, so encouraging, so relatable. They work with people helping them turn everything around from their weight, health, jobs, relationships you name it. When I saw them, I thought, I just have to bring their story to you. So I got in touch with Claire to come on the podcast and she said yes straight away. But in the spirit of Flowerpot Productions' honesty, I have to say I had no idea when I did this just quite how huge they are. Their work attracts celebrities, they run retreats, they have changed so many people's lives. Claire saying yes straight away to me shows how supportive and down-to-earth she is. She talks about her own story with such honesty, how she went from doing a job she never truly enjoyed in PR to running the midlife mentors with her husband, but with two marriage breakups, health problems and many, many wobbles in confidence along the way but if you're feeling too overwhelmed with mortgages children marriage work and a busy calendar to even think about your own next chapter well then Claire is about to give you some advice you cannot ignore it's easy to see why so many people relate to Claire and the work she does I haven't been able to stop thinking about this conversation and I hope you will feel the same too (laughs) and welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it may help you with your next chapter or at the very least you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Claire Davis. Claire Davis, welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. I am thrilled to have you with me.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great that we can do this and connect like this. Thank you for inviting
0: me. Well, I should just say to to my lovely listeners. So this is the first time we've met, but in a way, I feel like I know you um, because we. I first saw you when you started. um I think you followed. You may have even followed me first, which is just amazing because I've only just started out on Instagram. And it's just um, you work. With, and we're obviously going to this, but you work with your lovely husband James. You just got such a lovely energy, and it's just so contagious. And then I've been listening to your podcast as well. So anyway, the fact that you. You said yes when i asked you i, th- I thought Sh- shall i ask her? i'm just gonna i'm gonna dare and you said yes so here we go that's brilliant so thank you oh, so much
1: gee. ellie of course i was gonna say yes because i you know you've you've always been really supportive of the post that we're doing and I think it's just really nice to connect with like-minded women. So thank, thank you. you.
0: Fabulous. Right. So let's get, room, get going for our like-minded women and men, may I say, who may be listening. Yes. So yes. we start as ever with your prologue, Claire. So you, you started off in Dartford in Kent and you say you were bold and bright as a child until about 10 and then you were always on stage.
1: Yeah, so I was always on stage, um, bold and bright, had, you know, as children are, kind of limitless and fearless, if they've been, you know, if they've had the security of a good family, which I do, and I had. So I was bold and bright, and then I went to an all-girls school, so I went to um, an all-girls grammar school, and that's where things just started to take a turn for me. I mean, lots of people can relate to this, but I was... um, I wasn't a popular girl, I became very self-conscious, I lost all of my confidence, um, and I was bullied, actually, I would say, looking back now, and I kind of kept it all to myself, I didn't really, I didn't tell anyone that it was happening, um, until I suppose I was in my 20s.
0: Wow so was this at school Claire because you went to a grammar school didn't you you went to a grammar school presumably that was in Kent was it yeah okay yes, it and you had a really you know you had a very lovely close family and was this then but this was happening at school was it
1: yeah it was happening at the school and I look back now with the work that I do and the therapy that I've had and all the things that I've been through that um, across my life that I'm sure we'll talk about in in, in time, but. You know, when you have a bright, energetic child um, and very open-hearted, I was definitely open-hearted, but also incredibly sensitive. And for a really long time... I thought sensitivity was a bad thing so obviously you put walls up as you get older you put walls up to pe- keep people out because you've been told you're too sensitive but now I love my sensitivity I think it's it's a massive gift it's my superpower is being really sensitive but yeah I think when you're that young and you you are in a school where you know I wasn't the brightest I'd worked really hard to get there to grammar school pass my test but I you know I I'd worked really hard to get this. I had imposter syndrome even at that age. Mm. And I just didn't feel like I fitted in. And there was a certain girl that kind of, I suppose, ganged everyone up on me. And I was sensitive and I was a bit different. So I think when that happens, people feel very uncomfortable even at that age. Um, you don't know what's going on in their, their home life that's making them do that. So, yeah, it had a massive, like, as it would have done with many, many, many people, it had a massive impact on the, on the, the early years
0: mm. of my life. And did that confidence that you had before this, was that kind of all, did you find yourself, because this is what happens, isn't it? Then you start sort of shrinking away, and if you were naturally sort of out there, then suddenly you're not yeah. yourself, and you start not being yourself at that young age.
1: Yeah, you lose yourself. You lose the truth. I, I say they lose the truth of who you really are. When and you, you know, we all have that enoughness kicked out of us a little bit.
0: Mm.
1: You know, we 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 are born. I, I believe we're born here. We have that sense of being enough, always having enough, and then we find that the school of hard knocks kind of kicks that stuff out of us, and we we lose our confidence, we lose the truth of who we are, and we start putting on what I call a masked self. Mm. So the collapse self is an acceptable. And we don't like being vulnerable. We don't like being sensitive. So then we put a mask on, which is actually a personality construct, even at that age, that we think serves us much better.
0: Mm. How were you with your studies at school?
1: Um, I always loved English literature. That was my thing. I was very creative. I'm an Earth sign, so I'm very into my my star signs. I'm an Earth sign, so I was very kind of creative, very um, earthy, and things like that. So I, I never I never got on with maths. I was absolutely terrible with maths, kind of like science. But I, was, I did still love drama and I loved dance. But I didn't allow myself to really express that after about 12, mm. 12 or 13.
0: Because mm, you need confidence. Mm, yeah,
1: you do. You need self-belief. You need self-belief. And I didn't think I was okay. I think that's what happens when you're young. You begin to think that you are not okay and not safe as you are.
0: Mm. And when you say the bullying carried on into your twenties, was that it wasn't the same girl, was it?
1: Oh no, the bullying was only from about. I think the the remnants of that. I mean, definitely, even even now, there's certain elements when an inner critic comes in, or that imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. or all those sorts of things, those belief systems that we have within us in our subconscious mind, a roller deck of memories and things. But it, the bullying was probably from 11 to about 14 Mm. um awful yeah and actually here's the thing I always felt even in my career I always felt like I had to be someone different in order to fit in and be okay Mm. Mm. so that's that's taken a lot of unpicking
0: yeah and it's it's interesting isn't it because I mean I've got to I've got a son now who's about to go to secondary school and sort of your stomach's in knots because I I, I can't say I I went to a grammar school I can't say I particularly loved it I didn't thrive and interestingly okay we put all of this pressure on schools and we're going to really get into this like and as parents we do but I can honestly say and don't get me wrong you know it it was a lovely school but everything I do now I can never say it's because I went to that school it's all it's because of family it's because of friends it's because my husband it's my own drive you know you don't say I'm but yet when you've got children it's all about the school it's it's crazy really isn't it I know and
1: they don't teach um any life skills i don't think you know i don't have children so um but i've got two nieces i you know i i just think we could do so much a better job of actually creating wonderful human beings from a much earlier age that are less concerned about scores and more able to understand who they are and what their legacy what legacy they want to leave in the world i think kindness i think um even understanding how to look after your finances Mm. as you get into adulthood that's something that i was never taught it was something that i don't think they're teaching at school how to actually be an adult
0: Mm. that Mm. makes sense oh my god i wish i'd had a lesson in that because i'm definitely still learning but and obviously we're really gonna go because you're seeing now you're seeing like the the not the end result but people in their midlife who haven't done the right thing and you're seeing what happens you know 30 years on when you haven't but we're gonna we've got that to come we've got that to come so you (laughs) we've got a lot of treats here so you ended up you just you did um you actually thought about being a journalist you were thinking about being a journalist but you ended up going into PR
1: Mm -hmm. I did so when I was I was really ambitious I always I was really, really ambitious and driven and I wanted to be a journalist. So I when I was fifteen I got work experience at the Daily Telegraph.
0: Woo, that's fancy.
1: I know. And this and the Daily Express. And that was all off my own back. And I really wanted to do that. And then then I wanted to do politics because then I loved politics. But then it was interesting. I think my lack of confidence and my lack of self belief, I ended up just going, I say just going. I went and did a PR degree instead because I was kind of told that I probably shouldn't do politics or shouldn't do journalism. And I think I listened to outside forces and I ended up doing a PR degree, which I have to say it was fine because it's led me to where I am now. And, you, you know, I don't regret. Sometimes I think certain life choices could have been different, but I don't regret these big decisions at all because I think they've left me in this space where I'm at where I'm at now. And I don't think I should have done a PR degree know and then I actually went into PR and really disliked it if the mask was there already that mask got thicker and less me as the 14 years after that rolled on
0: okay so before we go into that because that's then your first chapter can I just say because you've got a brother haven't you you've got your mum and dad and brother and have you got any yeah. other siblings? It's just or just no, a third, an okay. older brother. Older brother. Okay, okay. It's always good to. I just think it's always lovely. We, we like yes. paint the picture. We got to paint that picture yes. of Claire. Yes, an older brother. So first chapter. So you did you did your PR degree? Where did you go? Did you go away to university?
1: yes I went
0: to Bournemouth okay oh a nice place though very nice place yeah lots of fun Lovely. uh and you worked at, okay so look here we go because a lot of people would say this is the an ideal job you worked in PR at Harrods I did I mean I did
1: and I was only a wee 19 year old wow so it was
0: still when I fired wow Had oh it, my goodness like that's
1: that how long ago it was um and that was a heck of an experience I won't go into it because I shouldn't but no. it was I was a really interesting experience of what I didn't want mm. um
0: and, and you were young you were very young, I was
1: young. yeah it was my year out from I, I took a four-year degree and that was my year placement and in the end I I decided to leave and actually do something else so I was about six months into
0: that and then I decided to go and work at an agency instead because um it was wrong, mm-hmm. wrong. I see, no I can do I, you know what I can imagine I would say my flower pot lawyers which is actually kind of me and the dog probably couldn't take on the uh, estate yes. <laughs> but we can all yes. put two and two together and uh, probably yes. come up with a, a very accurate okay. four.
1: I won't say anything else, but yeah, I think you put two and two together about that experience when I was there. Yeah,
0: I can. Remember. So when you so were you were you in London? And so you were working for a big PR firm, were you?
1: Yeah, I ended up working for some big PR firms. Um, so Freud's, wow. um, and Exposure, and I started to go into. So I did a bit of fashion, then I did a bit of luxury interiors, which I loved. Then I did um, FMCG stuff and some alcohol brands, which I didn't like. But I never, you know, I never, ever enjoyed any of it, to be honest. And I would put on a role that I thought everyone expected me to be. And then that mask would slip and then everyone would be really surprised. And then sometimes um, I would get hauled into offices and be told that I wasn't performing well enough and that they might have to fire me. And I now know there was so much shame around that, so much pain and so much shame around that. But now I understand that it's because I i was never meant to do that. I was always meant to be an entrepreneur, helping other people and doing something that I knew was really important in the world and for other people and to help and serve other people to be the best person. And PR isn't that. So mm. I kept trying to shoehorn my, myself into these roles for, for so many years. Mm. And mm. when I couldn't keep it up, it would slip. And then I'd be found, found out, which again, the imposter syndrome around that. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do a lot of stuff with clients around imposter syndrome because I've experienced it so much.
0: And when you say you put on a mask, what was your mask? Um,
1: oh, a PR girl. And so, anyone listening to this, any anyone that um, has worked with any PR, um, a PR girl that was very extrovert, very confident, um, very high maintenance. Yeah, I can't. I'm so just, what you mean, I'm like, just...
0: in terms of like your appearance? I mean, that's it. Because I think, from my following of you now, to me, you you are very sort of. I say extrovert. I suppose it's because you're just very comfortable. And again, we're going to go into this, but because it's there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference yes. between acting a role and being comfortable yeah. in what you do. And you're, if you're comfortable in what you do, you're you come across as really confident. But you're just comfortable. I suppose there's a difference, isn't there?
1: I think that is such a beautiful way to put it, Ellie. Like really beautiful, because actually, exactly that. And actually, I'm able to be authentically me now because I, I. And learning, I've learned, and will always learn to accept new parts of myself. And understanding why things happened and why you are the way, I think that's the most beautiful thing, because without understanding who you are, you can't change the bits that aren't serving you Mm. anymore. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fake. It was so fake. Um, I would even go as far as to say that I probably came across as fake sometimes. Mm. Um, and now I don't I wouldn't care if I did or didn't because I know within me that this is just authentically me Mm. and it is about being comfortable in your own skin which is what I love to help other people do is just reclaim their power reclaim being comfortable in their skin and accepting themselves.
0: Mm, God yeah I bet well as I say we're going to move on to it but I mean what a relief to be living like that now so you've got so all alongside this then you got married You got married. I mean, when you said, I just say, when Claire sent me over her notes, her words were, I hope the below doesn't scare you. Totally honesty is my thing. Believe me, nothing can scare us here, Claire. Nothing. So this is what Don't you said. <laughs> you got married. You nearly died. You got divorced, which was very messy. You went traveling around the world on your own. You lived in Sydney, came home, bought your third home, got married again, got divorced again. Very messy. LOL. Well, the thing is, what a sentence. I write books, Claire, and I couldn't write a sentence like that. <laughs> oh, my dear. goodness. You
1: know, it's, um, it's really interesting because now I look back and I realize that the drama that was going on, on in my life, we have to take responsibility for our life. You know, I there was something I was running from and I, I now know more and more what Parts of me were needing to be healed, but I was scared to look at drama. Creating that level of drama in your life, you know, it does take two people, three people, whatever, but it's your responsibility as well to be participating in that amount of drama. And I think you are just, you're trying to run away. When you're creating that drama, you're you're creating external things to focus on rather than looking at the parts within that you need to be healing. Mm. So I just perpetually kept doing these things and creating the wrong lifestyle, um you know marrying um, two men that weren't right for me I I'm I'm hoping forever I'm not obviously in touch with them but I hope within my heart and soul that they're both very happy um because we weren't right for each other and we probably both created lots of pain for each other but yeah and then in between that I nearly died and how did you nearly die um, I actually had an ectopic pregnancy.
0: Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so oh, sorry.
1: It's it's fine. Again, it was it was one of those, I say I don't really believe in epiphanies, but it was one of those moments where I was lying in in the hospital bed um, and thinking, okay, my life starts now. Mm. My life starts now. Mm. And I whipped myself into shape. Six months later, I was on a plane at Heathrow, on the way to New Zealand, not understanding where the hell I was going to stay. But I was I was willing to have an adventure and go completely outside my comfort zone yeah. and be me.
0: Amazing. And that was after your first marriage? That was your in your first yeah. marriage, was it? Because at yeah. the same time, what I should say as well is you were saying that in the meantime, you were also you qualified as a life coach and yes. an NLP practitioner which if i got this right neurolinguistic
1: Linguistic programming that's right
0: and a stress management consultant so yes. you were doing this at, i mean it's because I mean, you so actually you i think you're being quite hard on yourself because you were you were you were, you were guessing that what you were doing wasn't right so you were starting to build you were just looking out there and then you went into freelance PR and sort of started doing it all um so this was at what stage was this was this sort of at this first or second marriage
1: really early on so the first one before I even got married the first time so I was I actually became a life coach again this was imposter syndrome I knew that I wanted to do life coaching because I'd been to see life coaches like actually talk on stage and I'd read lots of books. I was really into spirituality and self-help, even from 2021. 20, and I thought, I want to do that. So by 22, I was a qualified life coach, Wow! <laughs> which was – never did anything with it because I was like, who's going to listen to me? But my soul felt old, if that makes sense. Yeah. I always felt like I had an old soul, and I could always – see things from an interesting perspective and people would come to me to to talk to me about everything and anything because it was always a very safe non-judgmental place even from that age so then I didn't do anything with that but then I became an NLP practitioner that was later on so all these things were guiding me you're right towards what I really wanted to do and I started a couple of businesses I didn't have the courage to see them through so there was a push and then a pullback, always a push and then a pullback, you know, uh, oh my goodness, society is going to think I'm an idiot and I'm going to fail, but I want to do this. I'm going to do something else. And then I'll pull back. And it was always really brought back about finances, you know. You know, PR was paying as a freelancer. It was paying me a really decent salary at that age, and I and I kept going back to that because of society's expectations. I kept denying the call of my soul.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh goodness me! And I wish to say because we're gonna because we're talking about because I know nutrition and exercise is so important to you. And you, but you were you said at some this perhaps was a bit earlier on that you were using food as a control mechanism as well. So basically, everything that you were wanting to do it was like the two sides wasn't it there was everything that was not serving you and doing what you should you know and yet on the other side you knew you had to do this other thing yeah this other life and
1: it's really painful it's really painful and i see a lot of people like this like you alluded to this earlier on by the time you reach midlife if you haven't started to follow your bliss and you haven't started to listen to the calling of your soul and understand what your story is the one that's destined to be told, it can be very, very painful.
0: Mm, mm, goodness me. So
1: to have those two parts of yourself, mm. the, the construct of the one that you've made, because but then you get to a certain time in your life. I always call it the first act is done and then the second act is coming and that's where the midlife crisis term comes from, and it's very real. It's got a really bad rap, but the midlife crisis is a very real thing. It's a self identity crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. And when, and also, is it a case of basically you're living a lie? You, you're living something that is not right. And, it's awful, and you're you're living a lie. And you're like, the truth is, if we're lucky, if we're lucky, we have 90, you know, really lucky we have 90 years on the planet, and you start getting into your, your 40s, and and it's a science, isn't it? You know, you're halfway through, it's, it's the reality. And if you're, you've spent all these decades just living in a way that is not true to you and how you should feel, that is, I mean, what a waste. And it's awful, isn't it? I know.
1: And you actually lose what it is you are so the truth of you and you're too afraid to to dive into that because you might you're afraid you're you're going to unravel yeah you are afraid that you are going to completely you're going to pick up something it's like a jumper and then the whole jumper is going to unravel mm. so it's about it's about creating a safe space for people to be able to do that bit by bit You know, turn the tap, I always use that analogy of turning the tap a little bit, it's a tight tap, but just turning it a little bit so the real you can come out, bit by bit, because otherwise it's too overwhelming for your subconscious mind, Mm. truly, Um, Mm. but then you have to help people dive into that very strong why, and the emotional connection, you have only got half of your life left. You know, do you want to be? This is one of my greatest, what was always one of my greatest fears and it still is the thing that pushes me forward. I don't want to be lying there on my deathbed, sounds really morbid, mm. going, I held back. I held back because I was worried about what they were going to say about money, which I can always make more of. Any any excuses, you know, I nev- I don't want to have regrets. Mm.
0: Mm, I and don't no really
1: one leaving this and no one lea- and leaving this this time and this place with regrets mm,
0: mm. do you mind me asking before we move into your next chapter do you mind me asking because you were saying like sort of deep down in your soul and obviously the mask and i think a lot of people can relate to this that the mask and they go along there but it's it's hiding because if they start really going deep you know really going in what are they going to find now do you mind me asking and feel free to say no or don't go into too much detail but when you were saying you were worried about what you would find but obviously by finding what was deep in your soul it kind of released you what what did you find and was it as fearful as you thought it would be
1: um i absolutely i don't mind uh, answering that at all because i know it will help other people i found um that i'd lost my power that i was punishing myself um for certain decisions and certain choices i'd made so i kept creating dramas and kept putting myself in situations where i wouldn't like myself because it was a self-fulfilling prophecy what else did i find i found that because my power had been taken away or felt like my power had been taken away by by women by girls then I went through a stage of using my sexuality with men to regain my power. That was one of the things that I found. Um, I found that I was a people pleaser and that I just wanted people to like me, which is such a common thing. Mm. So all these things, all these things, and that actually I'd been silent in certain situations and I was angry. I was angry. I found anger, Ellie, actually. Mm. Um, and releasing that and being okay with it and accepting it was, was profound, really profound, really profound.
0: And did you do that with a therapist?
1: Yeah, I did that with a therapist, but I've also done lots of, um, you know, I went through a real spiritual journey in my 20s. Um, I, also, I also allow myself time and space now to to tap into those feelings and feel safe doing it. Mm. So I do that regularly. I do that every day. I'm like, how am I feeling today? I always have a morning routine, a morning ritual, where I allow myself to feel what I'm feeling. Um,
0: and,
1: yeah, sorry, there's lots of work going on outside. I'm mean, i in central London, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> that's
0: okay. They're, they're probably listening in, Claire, to be honest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, literally right in central London. They're... they're building an enormous house opposite so um there's lots of digging going on so i apologize if you can hear some background noise
0: that's absolutely fine but that's amazing it's it's incredible isn't it because i I do know exactly what you mean and that feeling i get it like in that and my my husband we have have is like saying you've got to sit in the bath you've got to sit in the bath of whatever it is and it sounds so silly and so obvious but actually when you do do it and then you it's like it's just like the relief and then sudden and then you realize a couple of weeks later do you know what life's just become a little bit easier than it was before that and you don't you wouldn't think it would make such a difference but it makes an enormous difference
1: I think it's about giving yourself permission to go into that as well and it's for me a lot of the work is about safe. A lot of the time we don't feel safe in our bodies, safe in our life, safe to be us, safe to dive into those feelings, safe to, I suppose, look at that you know, that inner child, that, that wounded self. Because we also say, you know, we behave in such ways. So many ways are designed, the striving, the overworking, the, the addictions, all these things are because there's trauma there that you're not looking at. There's trauma there that you're not not able to or are too scared to look at. And the thing is, if you keep running away from it, from all these different things, you're putting them in the post. And one day, they're going to land on your mat in a huge bundle. And then that's where, I mean, that's happened to me. A huge bundle was landed on, on the on the doormat and you're like oh my goodness i have to deal with that now i have to
0: mm-hmm. it's interesting and again, we'll carry on because we move into your next chapter but when you say there's because there's a difference isn't there there's striving and going for these things that are not right for you that's a difference between creating a life for yourself that you absolutely love and that yes. you could say that that's sort of striving but it's not it's, it's two very different things the striving is for the the house the car the the promotion the external things that what people will say oh god they've made it
1: yes well that's the thing that's what i hope i i do as much as possible as much as i possibly can because people might look at me and like physically and think oh she's always been that way that's easy for her which it hasn't been or they might think you know she's got a great relationship which i have but it's you know i always want to be really honest about the things that i'm still striving for the things that i struggle with and being vulnerable authentic and honest Mm. um but People saying, you know, that, oh, it looks like Claire might have it all, I, I hope hopefully i share enough of my journey to know that i haven't got it all together all the time at all
0: Mm -hmm. which is interesting because i have been i'm so hooked and uh, on your podcast and it's just this is why i wanted to i mean i do this with everyone but it's so important that everyone what we're about to go into now to know that this was that was your up to your first chapter because it's incredible what you've done so let's move on to your next chapter so uh, (laughs) (laughs) after um your second divorce you say you actually you went on antidepressants which is important to say that because of what you then went on to do because then you discovered nutrition and exercise and you came off the tablets so you you started to understand the power that your mind and body at the same time i'm i don't know if this is quite right but you also then met the lovely james yeah (laughs) and this is where we go into a lovely (laughs) lovely chapter so so yeah so how did that all come together
1: uh so yes after my second divorce um, i was i was in a really bad way i think all of that stuff hit me uh, everything landed on my doorstep that post i was talking about and i went on antidepressants and you know i i hear this a lot and especially from perimenopausal menopausal women because you know there's a cocktail of hormones going on and they're feeling anxious it, but there's a reason that they are and it's physiological it's not that they're losing it or losing their marbles so I always, I'm really, really careful about saying this, but I do think antidepressants can save lives. But I also think um, when you go to your GP, they should look at lifestyle factors and they should ask you about your nutrition, your sugar intake, your alcohol intake, whether you're moving your body, what you're doing emotionally to help you with stress management. Because I went in and they just gave me tablets. And listen, it helps. But I mean, I piled on the weight with it as well. I really piled on the pounds. I was drinking too much. It was it was it was bad. Um, but then I came off them. I, I discovered I wasn't a, a gym bunny at all. Uh, I discovered weights. I discovered um, I wanted to look after myself better and nutrition and exercise. And I loved I loved how it made me feel more in control and powerful as a woman. And I was like, okay. If I'm feeling this and I've lost my way and I, I hate I hate myself I hate myself, but this is the mm. thing that's helping me feel a bit better. I wonder if I could do that for other people. Mm, incredible. And that's when I qualified as I qualified as a PT. I mean, I've invested thousands and thousands in my personal growth, in my professional growth, and everyone just thought, "Oh, Claire's doing something else again. She's going to go and do this, and she's spending thousands of pounds on nutrition and personal training, and she's." Also, a real snobbery around it. Oh, Claire's smarter than that. Being a PT isn't a smart thing to do, la, la, la. And I was like, no, this is my calling. I'm going to do it, not put pressure on. So I qualified and loved it. Mm. Loved it. I found
0: my thing. Yeah. And is that when you went to work in the... Hang on, am I I getting slightly confused? Because you worked at a gym at 32 and you went back on the minimum wage. So this is still all before you met James.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'd known James... But he was with someone else, and i I'd, I was with someone else. Um, so we'd met in a booth. So we were a, a mutual friend. and yeah, so we'd known each other, but we weren't together. We were just we weren't even friends really at that point. We'd just met each other, but that was all before James. So I yeah, I became a PT and did all my nutrition and started training uh, midlife women. Actually, even though I wasn't quite midlife at that point, mm. you know I wasn't. But I was training midlife women, and they were going through all sorts of issues in their life. And it was giving them power. The, their life might have been in disarray and there was lots of things they couldn't control. But the thing they could control was their food and their body. And mm-hmm. then that in turn gave them the strength in their mindset. Yeah, it was that, beautiful.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. So, so when, how did you then get to, together with James?
1: So as you said, I worked on the gym floor, so I'd actually, this is really important to say actually, I lost my house, I had to sell my house with my ex, and then I bought a new flat on my own, so I had a mortgage on my own, qualified, and made an insane choice to drop down to minimum wage (laughs) with a mortgage, Um, and I made it work, I made it work, but it was really hard, so... I just say, you know, when you find something you love, you do what it takes.
0: Yeah, um, that, that is never, it, isn't it? That is it. Yeah.
1: I never regret that. You know, I'd be wiping sweat off of um, gym equipment, thinking to myself, "Wow, Claire, you've really, you've really fallen, you've really fallen here." But then, whenever I PT'd someone, I will get emotional. Whenever I PT'd someone, or I was doing a spin class, or I was doing, a, I was like, "It's worth it."
0: Mm. It's mm.
1: worth it. For all these years of not finding your thing,
0: mm.
1: I found my thing, and I don't care what anyone else thinks. Mm. And then, yeah, then James' James's relationship broke down. Mine had broken down, and we became friends. Um, I didn't treat him very well at all. I was a nightmare. I was an absolute <laughs> no. nightmare to him.
0: Would he Absol- say that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, my goodness. I was i mean like we nearly ended up not being together just because of how i treated him so that went on for about a year before we finally really got together and it's just it is a beautiful story because he stayed there as my friend even though you know he'd been through a really hard time with his ex and so you know he'd been wounded and yet he still saw the person behind my behavior
0: Mm, mm, that is that's amazing because so he but he was involved in fitness as well wasn't he
1: yeah, so he he was already running thirty eight degrees north, and he'd set that up with his ex. So I took the big leap to move over to Ibiza, uh, which was which was really a big because i you know by that point I had put a lot of walls up, and I wasn't I was I was really scared, really scared, and I was very independent. So to give my home up that I'd fought so hard to do and my job and move to Ibiza and work in his company mm. was... Oh, that it was a big thing. Mm.
0: Yeah, that was... Uh, that
1: really messed me up for a while.
0: And were you together as a couple then, when you did that? Yeah. And how old were you then, Claire? If you don't mind me asking. 30, 34? Wow, okay. 35, 35. Okay, okay. But here we go. Look, it goes to show, though. I mean, you were brave, weren't you? But it this all links into the same thing. So you found a you'd found what you absolutely love the day-to-day the actual day-to-day of the of the training people of the of the women then you met this lovely guy who's like a best friend but also just gorgeous and then but then everything else that you'd been doing in your 20s on the side all of it suddenly it all came together But if you hadn't have tried all those different things and done all those things that people said, oh, you're crazy doing that, Claire. And I'm sure then when you were moving out to Ibiza, you were thinking it, I'm sure what your, you know, who knows, I can't imagine what your family may have felt. But it paid off because, oh my God, so there you were. And then you got married. And then you set up, which I am now your new number one fan, the Midlife (laughs) Mentors Podcast.
1: Yes. Well, we started doing that. So we were doing online stuff. We were doing the retreats.
0: And then
1: we started doing the Midlife Mentors podcast because all of the people that were coming to our retreats were midlifers, really. And we kept seeing the same running theme. We kept seeing a lot of our friends and those people thinking that, you know, this part of their life, it was all downhill from there. And they were letting things slide. They were no longer loving life, excited about life. They were disappointed, Mm-hmm. And they were kind of giving up on themselves. They weren't taking risks or being adventurous, and we were. And they didn't know enough about the hormonal changes happening, how to exercise, how to eat, um, and how to think successfully, and how to have good relationships. So we were like, "Oh, let's just throw this podcast together." And that was 2018. No, 2019, early 2019. And it just went off. I mean, it's just grown and grown and grown. We've had some really lovely people on there. Uh, we've got Meg Matthews coming out this week. But yeah, it's it's it was just a beautiful thing for us to do it with no intent other than just to have fun. Mm. And to give give as much advice as we possibly can so people can live their potential.
0: Mm. But it's amazing. Is it, it. Do you know what? This is just amazing. It gives me goosebumps because it's just how these things come together. Because. Also, let's go back to the fact you uh, you wanted to be a journalist. So you you know I am a journalist, and you I you are you know you are a journalist. You are asking the questions. You are telling a story. So. But the, the, it's, it just works so well because you've got a husband and wife, which is a which is a great. It's just always a lovely thing to have. Um, but also, it's not that you're just sitting there talking about stuff. You're you're coming from a place. You've got your your qualifications. You've got all you've got all your experience. So so like for example, you know, as I said to you before we started recording, I've learned about macros. I know in food, I never understood what that, I genuinely didn't understand. And actually, it's quite simple, but I never understood it. But also, you know, this morning i was listening to permission give yourself permission but this is coming from the fact as well that you've worked with lots of people you're qualified you know what you're talking about but then the two between the two of you together then and you hear about your retreats you know roller granola that comes on your retreat. even yeah. that i just want <laughs> i want to meet roller granola yes. but, but so you've it's a world that because sometimes these things can be a little bit daunting if somebody if it's like a Oh it feels far removed but because you and James are so you know it's you're so down to earth it's you can it's very very li- relatable so it's incredible how it's all come Thank together you. i think it's i think it's i think it's really well you don't need me to say this but i just i honestly think it's really special i do because i still there might be a million podcasts but there's it's finding that one that's really genuine to you and i can understand why it helps so many people thanks
1: Ellie. and i like, actually when you say, it's really interesting, isn't it? When people say, oh, you don't necessarily need to hear it. It's, I am so, because of where I've been, I am always so grateful and so humbled when people email or say they enjoy it because it's just wonderful. It's just a wonderful thing to think that you're touching, you know, you're helping other people understand themselves better yes. or their body better. And, you know, it's is—it's a really, the midlife thing, it's a really, really daunting, daunting time. And what people don't understand is you're not alone. There are so many similarities. It doesn't mean to say that your story doesn't feel very, very real, and it is very real to you, but there are so many similar things that people go through at that time in their life. You know, they've built, like I said, they've built this whole self-identity And the problem is, the reason I think our program works and the reason what we do really works is because 80% of what we do is around mindset and emotional well-being. And the rest of it is then doing. You know, it's then eating in the right way. It's creating a better relationship with your food. It's moving your body, whatever that might be for your level. But it's about, you know, regaining control of your mind and working out, what you want in your life why you want it and the stuff that's holding you back the self-beliefs that are holding you back because we always say you cannot outperform your own self-identity so whatever story you're telling yourself is the story that will win out in the end so we have people coming to us all the time saying I'm not consistent with my my food um I've always been the bigger friend I I I always make bad choices with food or I hate exercise well guess what doesn't matter how much you do a diet do an exercise plan try and write a book start a new business if your mind is telling you that that's not possible that will always win
0: Mm. in the end. Mm. because you absolutely because you so you run eight week mid the the eight week midlife method program so people can sign up and they you work with them for eight weeks but you do lots of other stuff, stuff as well don't you so obviously you do your retreats i should just say you left ibiza and now you're living in london was it lovely living in ibiza it
1: was amazing it was amazing lovely 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 it's i mean we left at last september um because of what was going on in the world you know you're on an island it can be very isolating so we actually ended up moving to Marbella mm. in this uh, winter so last winter we moved there because we're in London and we were getting locked down. we haven't got any outside space we're we're lucky we're between we're in Belsize Park so between Primrose Hill and Hampstead so we've got That's green nice. space but you know we just wanted to get away for the winter so yes Ibiza was lovely but we'd outgrown it
0: mm. for sure. Will you go back to Spain?
1: Uh, I've just got my Spanish residency. Oh,
0: I say! I know.
1: James already has his, and then I got mine. And it gives us options because, again, I don't want to get political, but obviously because of um, Brexit, it's changed the rules quite significantly. So, you know, now, now is a good time to get that. That Spanish residency, so I, I we've got freedom. James already had here, it, so it's easier for me as his spouse to get it.
0: Mm-mm. So could, could you, in theory, at t- spend half? Would you spend half your time here and half your time there? Yes. Oh my God! Oh Claire, I, mean, <laughs> it, I can hear the gas of people listening to this. Like, oh, she's doing it. They're doing. You're yes. doing it. You're doing it. No one's given you permission. You're doing it. Well, they have by giving you the residency, <laughs> but yeah. but, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you've gone for it. So so, and also you're going into companies. You you talk, so yeah. you do you do loads, don't you? You do absolutely loads all 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 around this.
1: Yeah, and again, that's a really big thing. The the corporate world is really crying out now for for that mind, body, and soul education. To be honest, because there's bit, there's massive social anxiety about coming back to the workplace there's there's lots of things that have happened with the the cultures and the employees over the last 18 months and it's a really difficult thing for corporates to navigate now they didn't think this was going to come up so actually we do a lot around the science of stress what it how it's interplaying with your body your mind and your soul your spiritual awareness so I love that companies are open to us talking about all of those integrative elements of, of well-being. So we did one yesterday, actually. We did a lovely workshop yesterday with a corporate. And we love doing that because we're giving, we're being given permission <laughs> by those organizations to go in and reach more people. And I think the more people we can reach and talk about the stress and the burnout and the anxiety that's going on, and what you can do like actionable things that you can do to start helping yourself on a very easy level is really important because there's still a lot of shame still a lot of shame around you know especially at the higher levels oh i'm burnt out i'm really struggling so it's important to talk about it mm.
0: do you think i mean i i'm just i'm just sort of like cottoning onto this um, myself but uh, you know basically how i understand it is we are all kind of the same we all feel the same emotions and that can be the boss who's you know late 50s um or whatever you know that you we all have the, we they they'll feel insecure they feel a bit jaded they feel perhaps I haven't done what I wanted to do in life and he get they get their authority by the way they talk to people which it goes you know it all spreads and actually if everyone sort of just goes into themselves a little bit and works out do you know what this is going on for me now this is what's happening and by if I start acting in a better way um I'm more content in my soul like you say that then spreads spreads to everyone and it's about is it's time we all started realizing this rather than this old-fashioned hierarchy that you just look up to that person because they're in that job role
1: absolutely and i think we have as acute human beings we have a need to be seen to be heard and to matter and we all want to be important we all want our life to matter we really do and so that can hit anyone at any time that sense of I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard, and I don't feel like what I'm doing really matters. That's when that often happens at midlife. It really does. But it's such a product of society now and the digital age we're in that we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for validation, but we're also looking outside ourselves at what everyone else has, and we're feeling under par. You know, we get stuck in. Um, I always say like comparison is a thief of joy. But we're constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else and we're being brought off our own lane. I'm like, find your lane. What is it? Stay in your lane because the grass is greener where you water it. Stay there and be in that understanding of what your story is.
0: Mm.
1: And I think the world is crying out for more people like that, less ego more soul mm. and I think that would have a profound impact on everything and you know we just get caught in the the highlight reels of everyone else's life constantly thinking that we're not doing enough we're not enough that's a fundamental issue it's like we're not and I'm not enough mm. and bring that back to the core sense that you always have been you always have been you're completely safe you've always been enough and you always will be enough you don't need to keep striving improving and you know smashing yourself to the ground it's just it's about growing in self-acceptance and self-love mm.
0: do you think when you because obviously it's one thing that people can listen to this and they can you know and you can give your lovely talks and do people can do the eight-week program but it does boil down to they actually then have to do the actions themselves you know they have to take it on board and do you find that can that be sometimes a hurdle do you can you spot a person who really is going to take it on and you're like do you know what they're just going through the motions yeah.
1: yes yes all, all the time i can spot that person and you know oh someone's ringing our bell now and that's our dog lola barking um yeah i mean absolutely you can really tell that and it does take a level of looking at your life and actually really taking responsibility for the fact that you've done that to a degree there are certain things, certain circumstances that you just have to roll with, and the things you can control, control. I'm so sorry. That's the um, Lola. <laughs> Lola, I know. Pomeranian fluffball. But um, you know, there are certain things that we can take control of, and if you haven't got your, if you haven't got your health, you've got nothing. Your health is your wealth. So this is this is the thing about asking people about what their strong why is. Is it? Is it to live a full and happy life and be able to do the things that you want to do? And taking responsibility for building that future is all in their hands. You know, it's a massive, massive thing that we all reach out for mentorship, coaching. I have co- I have coaches galore, Ellie. Mm. I've got a whole host of people behind me that I go to to keep me on track, authentic and grounded, mm. to be honest, and be able to do the things that I do. You need that support. You need that accountability. And when I haven't had it, that's when life's gone a bit Mm. haywire. Mm. So taking responsibility, yeah. But then the right support team that can shine a light when you can't see and it's too dark to shine a light that can just believe in you when you don't. I think that's really important. Having And surrounding yourself with the right people. But I can always tell someone that's really committed,
0: really committed. Mm -hmm. They're all in they're all in Mm, and I bet that's a joy when you do see that actually so moving on to be continued I mean as if you haven't done enough but what would you like to do next oh
1: write a book Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm gonna do another program just for women because at the moment we do have one for just women but I want to kind of dive into working with women um a lot more about reclaiming their power and their ancestry. Mm, and good. yes, that kind of innate wisdom that we us women all have within us. And men. Mm. But you know, obviously that innate wisdom we have. And travel a lot more when I can, when we can, to do more in person stuff because I get my energy off of people and so does James. So more in person events, more corporate stuff as well, so we can touch more lives.
0: So yeah, lots
1: of things. Mm. But again it's about enjoying the moment where I am and being mm-hmm. present. Because when you're constantly looking at the next thing, the next thing, I'll be happy when, you, you know, that, that never happens. You need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude where you are. And, you know, I always say happiness is an inside job. You, an attitude of gratitude is the most powerful thing you can ever do for where you're at right now
0: and yeah absolutely and I should just say as well because again I, I do follow you I'm starting to sound a bit like a stalker Claire I do apologize but um <laughs> I love for a stalker yeah yeah that's okay uh, good um so uh but it was making me laugh. sure like, you like going out, don't you? You have drinks, you have cocktails, you eat pizza. You know, you are really... De- like, this is what's so relatable. And it was making me laugh. James was talking about, oh, I don't know, the person that has the, the pizza with the, the cauliflower base or something like that. And he yeah. was like, just take a hike, like, move on. But it's... Yeah. You know, it's, it's not... You're not talking about being a total vegan teetotaler here, are you?
1: No. Like, quite the opposite. I mean, like, 80% of the time... I mean, I'd say I'm almost about seventy percent of the time. I, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm sensible about what I eat, and the rest of the time, I just enjoy myself. And here's the thing: I know what a body, I know what a body like it feels like when it's overweight. I've been two dress sizes bigger than I am now, and I know that what I do and what we teach and the the fundamental strategies that we teach keep body compositions, you know, in a healthy range. I don't I don't smash cardio all the time at all, quite the opposite, because if you do, you're gonna raise your cortisol and that make you hold on to belly fat. So it's a real hormonal cocktail of getting to know your body. But absolutely it's all about balance, Ellie. Like there's absolutely if you want to cut out alcohol, great. I don't wanna do that. I like having a drink with my friends, I like having a drink with James in the week. I'm teetotal. But, you know, it's it's about enjoying your life and having a healthy relationship. As soon as you start restricting anything, anything, and saying to your subconscious mind you can't have that, it's like a child. It wants it, and it's going to have it, and it will stamp its feet and make you feel miserable until you have
0: it. Mm. Mm. I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm glad you said that as I, as I plan yes. my weekend of uh, clocks and whatever. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. And I, you know, here's the thing. It's about balance. It's about moving your body. It's about knowing knowing your limit knowing when to you know eat certain things how what sort of things to eat um and it's an education piece that's what so many people come to us So you said about the macro thing so many people come to us and go oh, i didn't know that and they're small tweaks they're not massive sacrifices they're small tweaks that pay huge dividends
0: Mm, 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 absolutely and like you say there is a lot of this with the influencers, and you get caught up and it's like oh my god they've they've cracked the code of all this very very in-depth science and technology but it's not it's really you were talking about protein carbohydrates and fats
1: it's so simple it's so simple and the only reason they come up with these complicated processes is because they want to make money Mm. and again it's because it's it's not it's not attractive or a money-making thing if you say look this is really what you need to do
0: Mm. this is
1: what you need to do this is how you need to live your life there's no money around that really in in the form of books and new fad diets and stuff and yeah i mean the influencer thing uh it's it's it can in incredibly dangerous you know all of that stuff can be incredibly dangerous because it's leading people it's getting people confused they're messing with their body which in turn messes with their hormones they get frustrated they get down on themselves mm, mm. it's about pulling it back to basics educating people and helping them understand the small tweaks they can
0: make mm, mm. yeah exactly exactly and like you say often it's just it is a case you gotta lower your calories and which we've always known and we all know that
1: exactly and here's the thing it's I did a post on this. this is one you're probably commenting on. It is all these diets at in some way when they work put you in a calorie deficit. You will not lose body fat unless you are expending more than you're putting in your body. It's just science, it's science. However, what I would say is there a hack, some tricks, and things to there's an energy equation? You don't have to just completely reduce your calories, you can expend them more with moving your gorgeous body and expend those calories so you don't feel like you're really restricting yourself with, with regards to food. We never put anyone on a diet, we don't have meal plans,
0: mm-hmm. we don't
1: have meal plans, we educate, and then people make tweaks to their life
0: mm-hmm. and their, their
1: eating patterns. And but yeah, it's, it's a more it's once you know that it's also a bit about macros, a bit about meal timing these few hints and tips about what to do, then it all becomes a lot easier and makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. It really does. It really does. So moving on to your acknowledgements, who would you like to thank throughout your life? To so bring good you love. to this lovely spot that you're in now.
1: Um, I, actually, this is really um, uh, left field, actually. I'd like to thank anyone that, you know, has taught me any lessons, to be honest. Mm. All of them, all of those people have taught me the lessons, the good, the bad, the ugly... I thank all of you
0: mm, especially uh, that dreadful bully girl that started it all off
1: yes, yes thank you thank you uh, because it makes me able to relate to people that have had the same similar situations i'd like to say thank you to my lovely mum and dad who are still together still here still supporting me i've always supported me and uh, my brother and obviously emotional um, james
0: Mm.
1: James who always saw me for who I really was even when I couldn't see it myself
0: Mm. and has allowed
1: me to accept myself help me accept myself and fly and be seen and heard
0: see look you're exactly where you're meant to be and that's the special special thing so to somebody listening to this who also wants to be exactly where they want to be and i and i think you know the majority of people who listen are in their midlife and i think I mean, of course, you like. There's so much that they can learn from you and your, your podcast and all the work that you're doing. But you know, it is such a difficult. Time, like you say, and there are people listening to this, and I know there are. Um, I've got lovely friends who listen to this, and I know that they're thinking, "Right, look, come on, how do I do it?" You know, I mean, I've got, I've got two children. I've got, we've got mortgages. We are working 50, 60 sixty-hour weeks as it is. We're running around clubs, whatever. I'm not, I'm not feeling like I'm doing exactly what I should do. But look, come on, I haven't got time really to. If I want to go out for dinner with my friends at the weekend or that that's enough that's all I can do but meanwhile the years are going by and we have got this bigger this feeling that is going to get worse and worse I mean what would you say and also they're thinking you know I quite like to do that but who wants to know that from me or that kind of thing I'm not qualified to do that what would you say to that person
1: I would so many things I'd say um it comes down to priorities If you can find five minutes every day to do something or feel something or act on something that lights up your soul, that's enough. Start small. I would say, imagine life another three years down the line and having not done anything. And imagine that all the time when you say you haven't got five minutes. What's your strong why? What, what what's the strong why for my for me it's not lying on my deathbed having regrets you know and actually having that music inside of me I, I don't want to leave with that inside of me i'd like to say imagine what a better version you are for those people in your life those all, all those things that you feel guilty about oh you know i can't you will show up as a better version of yourself when you give yourself permission to shine and thrive
0: mm.
1: and life is worth it you, this is not a dress rehearsal
0: So you don't have
1: to do all these massive things. Stop using that as an excuse. Stop using that as an excuse. Find five minutes for yourself. You can find that. There have been plenty of other people in this world that have much busier lives than even you, believe it or not, and they've managed it. Five minutes just to ground yourself, find out. Ask yourself the question, who am I, what do I want? Every morning. Who am I? What do I want? What's my bliss? What did I love to do? What did I used to love to do when I was younger?
0: Mm. And do you think it is, is it really a case you've got to just, you owe it to yourself, you've got to be really honest? It doesn't matter what anyone's going to think about what you're going to say, just you have to be totally honest. What is it you really want to do?
1: Yeah, because that's going to bite you on the bum over and over and over again if you don't even ask the question. If you can't be honest with yourself, You can't run from it, you can't hide from it, because I do believe that everyone has an innate reason for being here, that their soul knows and their higher self knows, and keep ignoring it, it's going to keep knocking and knocking and knocking, like it did with me, keep knocking and knocking. Um, And you're going to have to be brave, and you're going to have to have courage, but like I said, it's, it's, it's not a dress rehearsal, so... Imagine what it's like another three years, six years, ten years down the line without you having given yourself permission to even give yourself five minutes a day to ask yourself, what am I here for? What do I want? And then carving out five minutes to follow that. Do some research. Do something you love. Go out. Just do something for you that sets you alight that isn't for everyone else.
0: Claire Davis, thank you for being such an amazing guest on The Next Chapter
1: you're so welcome thank you so much for having me darling i've absolutely loved it
0: so well what did you think of claire oh i find her so encouraging so uplifting and honest too five minutes That's what she says. Now, if you don't want to be doing the same in three years, then it's those five minutes now. I mean, it's big stuff, isn't it? And look, well, if you say you really can't spare five minutes, message me in one minute or 30 seconds, 10 seconds even, and I'll tell you why you do have five minutes. And I know Claire will say the same too. Now, all the details of the Midlife Mentors are in the show notes. I really do recommend their podcast. It's brilliant. This is the last of my Summer Sizzler mini-series. I'll be back in autumn with series three, and I've already got some brilliant guests lined up. I must say I'm very excited. You're listening to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker, of Flowerpot Productions. So go on, take those five minutes. I know you can do it. Claire definitely does too. Go on, take that first step. Speak soon.